from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. I'd like to begin today's show by thanking everyone for coming to celebrate the Pac-12's life. Pac-12 was the most high-flying and fun college football conference for decades, and I know many of you would, would agree. Helped many of us deal with the withdrawal and sadness we felt at the end of a long college football Saturday. By putting on a 9.30 p.m. kickoff, offensive shootout to ease us to sleep. Yes. Pac-12 was born in 1915 under the name Pacific Coast Conference, childhood filled with sibling rivalries. Bickering with their brothers and sisters, you likely know them as the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, and Big 12 today. Yes. Some of the happiest times of the Pac-12's life. Throughout the 1900s, Pac-12 had many of their children go on to achieve some very impressive feats. Its children lay claim to 33 college football national championships, some of them recognized by the rest of the, the country, some of them not. I'd actually like to acknowledge some of the Pac-12's children that have not abandoned the Pac-12 during its darkest days. Stan Ford, Cal Berkeley, and both of the State Brothers, Washington and Oregon State. They deserve recognition for their loyalty to their parent conference all the way to the end. Now I and many of you in this part of the country have, have not always been close fans of the Pac-12. But my favorite memory of the Pac-12 is when SEC member LSU and Nick Saban won the BCS National Championship in 2003. Mm. But everyone knew that the University of Southern California was the best team in the country. They were. With Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Lendell White. So the coaches and AP polls made LSU, they, they made LSU share that national championship with the Trojans from California. Now Nick Saban is the ACC's enemy. He's my enemy, and any enemy of my enemy is my friend. So in 2003, the Pac-12 was my friend. <sighs> Pac-12 has always been open and honest with their friends and family, so they'd want you to know about their struggles in the end. For some time now, the Pac-12 has been battling media rights-itis. It was first detected in its USC and UCLA the scan showed it quickly spreading to its Colorado. And the Pac-12 was finally put on hospice over the past week as it seemed to be spreading to its Oregon and Washington. Pac-12 finally lost its battle with media rights-itis this morning, passed away peacefully at around midday Pacific time. The world is a sadder place today with the Pac-12 as we knew it in our lives no longer with us. But the Pac-12 touched each and every one of us and left us with memories that we will cherish forever. Thank you. It's The Drive with Tim Donnelly here on 99.9 The Fan, and the Pac-12 is donezo. Bye. Oregon, Washington, Big Ten. USC, UCLA, Big Ten. How soon until Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, Big 12? That is the Pac-12 to me. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. What time is it? <laughs> hey, has it has it happened since I started the eulogy? I haven't they, refreshed Twitter uh, since the eulogy began. 
Um, the Pac-12 in big, I mean, it's dead. I wanted yeah. to say it was on on its last lifeline. No, it's it's passed away. It's, we just did the eulogy. It's done. Now here's the We've thing. Laid it to rest. Here's the thing. Think of how crazy it is that the Pac-12 is done. Everything I meant, like everything I just said, 33 college football national championships. Yeah. If you go to the Pac-12 website. Some of the most college, fun college football teams we've seen in the last 25 years. Easily. How did they get here? I'll tell you how they got here. And I'll tell you what the ACC should be paying attention to, right? Because uh, uh, a wise person, or I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. I'll get the full phrase out there. Mm. Uh, a smart person learns from their mistakes. A wise person learns from the mistakes of others. Mm. So the ACC needs to look at what the heck just happened to the, the, the Pac-12 and learn from those mistakes so they don't make it themselves. I'm not sure everyone realized this. I'm not sure I realized it. In 2011, which is not that long ago, the Pac-12 passed on Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech who wanted to join the Pac-12. They said, thanks for your interest, but no thanks. We're not looking to expand. If they all they had to say was yes. If they just said yes, they're thriving right now. And and who knows? Maybe the Big Twelve might be donezo. Uh, may, maybe they'd be pillaging the Big Ten to take teams to the Pac fifteen or whatever it would be at that point in time. The lesson you can learn from as the ACC is: if you don't do the right thing when you're on the top of the world in college football, you are going to be optionless when you are on the bottom of the world. And life's cyclical, right? It, 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 there's there's teams, there's dynasties, there's conference power that goes around and around and around. The conference, I mean, it it'll be around in name, but it's not going to be around as we knew it, as we know it, right? Think about it like this: the SEC is on the top of the world right now. They're bullying everyone. The Big Ten. Uh, Florida, Auburn, Alabama, um, LSU, Georgia. They've won national championships in the last 23 years, right? This century. They've also always, or, or at times, not always, at times have gone gone down, right? Had bad years for stretches. It's all cyclical. So the, the ACC has this 13-year run, right? They have till 2036 under their grant of rights. I would assume it's really like a 10-year run, maybe a nine-year run where you're really confident because then the buyouts become more realistic when you get to the end. I say till 2030. Okay, 2030, that's fine. Yeah. So we'll give seven years. At some point in the next seven years, the ACC is going to cycle up. <laughs> right now, there's kind of a, a lull. They will cycle up. The ACC is not in a great spot right now, but... I mean, go back to 2015, okay? In 2015, Florida State was fresh off uh, two years off of a national championship victory, uh, one year off of a college football playoff championship appearance, or not the championship game, the, the semifinal appearance. Clemson was in the national championship in 2015. The next year they would win it. Uh, Virginia Tech was fresh off of 11 straight years where they got into the top 15 at some point in time. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina finished 2015. 10th in the college football playoff rankings. That's right. So you have uh, an NC State by the, needs to be mentioned. They had Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Uh, there was one year off, but they had pretty much gone from Russell Wilson to Mike Glennon to Jacoby Brissett. Three NFL guys. Three NFL guys. So, so the ACC had two superpowers, 
legit national title contenders in Clemson and Florida State. They had another top 10 team that year. They had another team that had been a top 15 program for 15 years. They had another program that was cranking out NFL quarterbacks and a bunch of solid everywhere else. That is the moment you need to take advantage of. That's the moment Pac-12 in 2011, Pac-12 in, or Pac-10, whatever it was, in 03. When you're at the peak, you need to make the moves that are going to sustain you when you cycle down. So at some point in the next seven years, the ACC is going to have a little rise up, right? I refuse to believe that Clemson, Miami, Florida State, from that side of things, uh, NC State, Carolina, even, even you know, who knows? Maybe a Boston College, a Wake Forest can, can throw together one of their magical seasons, Syracuse. Mm-hmm. At some point, everything is going to look good for, for a minute. That's when you need to pounce. I don't know if it's expansion. I don't know if it's getting new media rights. I don't know if that's when you cash in some of your creativity and try to make money in a new way. But but when you're at the peak, if you if you if you mess around and just say we're good, it's perfect, where everything's going well, then when you're at the valley, you're going to be having people reading your eulogy, which is is not fun. Trust me, if you're a Pac-12 diehard, you didn't like how we started today's show. No, because your conference is dead as we know it. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Did you watch the Hall of Fame game last night? I watched a little bit of it. I watched it. I'm I'm a, I'm a nerd that way. Uh, or maybe I was just uh, interest of, of self-punishment for something. But uh, but it does signify that the preseason is here, and and it does signify that you know, every team is is past to the point in the off season where uh, <laughs> where you're doing all the the draft recaps. Past the the, the I wish my team would have made this free agency, and you're you're actually looking towards the players on the field and how how good your team's going to be. Right, you can still add a piece here or there, but it's it's largely the hay is in the barn when it comes to that. So you can start deciding, you know, which parts of the game are going to make you, you you turn gray and which parts of the game are going to make you jump for joy. So, uh, you know, instead of pros and cons, when we talk Panthers, we're going to go cons and cons. And that doesn't mean we're being all negative. That doesn't mean we're just, just hey, this is bad and this is bad. It means we're going with confidence and concern. Yes. Con and con. Let's do it. Uh, Dennis and I are each going to give one. Uh Dennis, you go first. And let's actually, when people ask you good news or bad news, what do you usually ask for? Give me the bad news. Okay, let's start with the concerns then. For cons and cons, let's start with the concerns. What are you concerned about as far as an aspect of the Panthers roster? My concern with the Panthers is the guy we just heard in the highlight coming back, J.C. Horn and his health. Because we saw in his rookie season go out early with the foot injury that lingered for a while. Then even the start of training camp last year, they're kind of easing him back a little bit because mm-hmm. of some soft tissue stuff. Now, played most of the last season, but a freak play where his arm kind of got smashed up by Jeremy Chin on a tackle, broke his arm. But in this offseason, he had the foot slash ankle injury that he was dealing with during OTAs and all that. 
His health is vital for this team. He and Dante Jackson coming back from his Achilles tear because they're so darn good. But after that, I got major question marks. As we saw that last season in a game where, where they played Tampa, had they won that game, they're inside track to win the division, and they didn't have Jackson nor Horn, and the their corners got torched. This is, uh, is going to get awkward because okay. your concern. My concern is their health. My Tim's confidence, my confidence okay. is their secondary. Now, that group's in the safeties. So yes, absolutely. It's not just the corners. Uh, groups in specifically Jeremy Chin and Von Bell. Because mm-hmm. uh, I love Von uh, I love Von Bell as an addition. And I love Jeremy Chin's versatility. I love Von Bell's versatility. Uh, Von Bell is a safety who had, I think it was four interceptions last year. You go back a couple of years, he had 116 tackles. He's had at least five quarterback pressures in seemingly every year. Yeah. So, I mean, you want to talk three-level safeties? Rushing the quarterback when when it's needed, stopping the run, and getting back in coverage. Chin and Bell are very, very good. And you throw Xavier Woods coming back as a starter very last true. year, which allows those guys to do more things. And then on the outside, the two guys you mentioned, I'm just always – and maybe it's a flaw of my evaluation. I am a sucker for talent. I'm, I'm like a fan of talent. And the injury thing is always tough for me because – they're young. They're unbelievable athletes. Yeah. And they're, they're great. And and I just feel like the better the athlete you are, the better you respond to, to, to injuries. Right? It's the whole, as long as you get injured before 30, and as long as, you know, you had a, this athletic score, then you're way more likely to come back and be 100% faster. And these two guys are just such good athletes. They're such natural, fluid movers that, I, you know, anyone could get hurt. And you mentioned the 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 freak nature of of Horn's latest arm injury, like those don't scare me. If someone has like a like a hamstring injury and they're just popping it, you know, every year and missing five weeks, that would scare me more than than something like the the arm. So I just look at those four guys and go, there's talent all over the place. And you throw in Woods, who's solid enough to let the talent be talent. I think their secondary is going to surprise some people. I'm I'm very confident in it. Oh, I've. If they're all on the field together, I love it. But my yeah, my concern is them just staying on the field together. What's your confidence? My confidence is the offensive line. The fact that you're bringing back all five starters. Look, I know Austin Corbett's coming off the ACL injury mm-hmm. that he suffered in the final game of the season against the Saints. But I will say this, just on that. Yeah. If you're gonna have one part of your offensive line be the like a guard would be the spot, right? You yes. want your tackles, you want your centered. A guard, no disrespect to guards, but mm-hmm. if if you had to choose, if you had to choose, so you have all five of your starters coming back. You also had Cade Mays that they drafted last season, who was very highly recruited to Tennessee. A lot of people feel like he was actually a steal in the draft because they got him in the mm-hmm. sixth round. He had a year to develop. They also bring their offensive line coach back. He was one of the few guys that was actually retained. So they bring him back. So the continuity on the offensive line is massive because. It's important for Iki Kwanu to continue to develop in year two. It's important for Brady Christensen in year three, second year starting at guard. And then also his development. Then Bradley Bozeman at center coming back. Taylor Moten solid on the right side. Corbett getting healthy. Cade Mays, also Chandler Zavala that you drafted as well. Plus Cam Irving as the swing backup tackle who has starter experience. The depth on the offensive line is solid. The fact that you bring back all your starters is great for Bryce Young because – yeah, all the all the skilled guys for the most part are different, 
there's a lot of new pieces there, but the continuity on the offensive line, that gives me a ton of confidence because they got better as the season progressed. And and outside of Bozeman, they're they're relatively young and youthful and spry. Oh, absolutely. And and one of the things I love for an offensive line, and I'm agreeing with you, it wasn't my confidence, obviously, but but it, I'm agreeing with you is uh one of the things I love for an offensive line is not just like experience where everybody's like a nine year vet. I like snaps together. Right. Yes. I, I, I like when exactly. when they have a lot of reps where the, the guard and the tackle are next to each other and they're right that you just build up like a shorthand where you might see a look you haven't seen since last year, but you can just kind of communicate with each other uh, and move together. Right. It's the whole an offensive line has to be the closed fists, not the individual fingers. Um, so to be that youthful and have that many snaps together is fairly rare. So I, I like where they're at offensive line. Uh, and and finally, my concern is their pass rush. Mm. Outside of Brian Burns, there's a lot of guys I like. Like, it's kind of similar to their wide receivers in that, like, if you were fourth as on uh, on the edge, like, you know, Yeter Gross Matos, I'd like you as a fourth rusher. I don't like you as a second, right? Uh, Marquise Haynes. I like you as veteran depth. I'm not sure I like you as veteran. We're going to have to play you a ton, and we need you on pass rushing downs. Mm -hmm. uh, Amari Barno is an athletic freak. Love him as like a lottery ticket. I don't love if you have to depend on him in, in key situations. Yeah. Se second year, six-round pick under Virginia Tech. Right? Yes, and, and he's one of those guys who like – uh, he ran like a 4-3 or 4-4, four, four, and that's barely an exaggeration if it is an exaggeration at all. Uh, and DJ Johnson is a nice third-round pick, but, you know, mid-round rookie. I don't know how much you want to de depend on those guys. Plus a mid-round rookie who's like, what, 24, 25, <laughs> 26 years old? Like, which, he's he's older for which his is, age. Which is always interesting. So you probably have to depend on him early. But, you like, there's a lot of guys who I like as pieces, like if they were the depth. But then you look at the outside of Brian Burns, you're like, oh, no, these guys are going to have to be – out there on key third downs, rushing the rushing the quarterback, and and I don't love that, right? If if it was, if you had like two guys between Burns and everybody else, mm -hmm. I think I would like their pass rush. But when it's Burns straight to the the everybody else, I, I I'm concerned. Now if if Barno hits his ceiling and DJ Johnson hits his ceiling and uh, Gross Matos is doing a little bit of a position switch with the 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 switching of the fronts, if that all works out, then it, you know, they should also go buy a lottery ticket. Oh uh, yeah, it's up to like a billion. Um, oh, it's over a billion. Over a billion. So they should go buy that lottery ticket. If if it doesn't work out, it could be a situation where you know I was looking at the 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 schedule, mm -hmm. weeks four through six they go Vikings, Lions, Dolphins back to back to back. Those are teams that, like, just look at those receivers. If you give Justin Jefferson four seconds to get open, you're not guarding him. If you give uh, uh, St. Brown four seconds to get open, you're just not guarding him. And if you give, uh, with the Dolphins, either Waddle or Hill four seconds, five seconds to get open, it's going to be a touchdown. So you're going to have to get after the quarterback or else those, those offenses will eat you alive. There you go. That's cons and cons. Yes. Confidence and concerns for the Panthers heading into this season now that the preseason has officially started. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. 
for the ones who get it done.